Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host again this week, Matt Price. I'm with Dan Myler, of course. Dan, how are you doing? I'm good. Leading into uh, that semifinal weekend, got quite a few ma- matchups this week, including one against our special guest this week which I'm not really looking forward to, but uh, I've had a good year and I'm l- hoping it, I have a good week this week to keep that going. Yes, sir. We do have a special guest. Ryan is out on assignment this week. So we have Travis May, a fellow DLF writer and host of the Dynasty Life podcast. Travis, how you doing, man? How's uh, how's your playoff hunt going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I'm always glad to hop on uh, last minute if you guys uh, need a Need a friend uh, to, to join you all, but uh, yeah, playoff hunt's going okay. I uh, have 18 NFL leagues and I have you know a few college football fantasy leagues, but uh, those are those are over with now. But uh, out of the 18 NFL leagues, I'm in half of them now. I think nine left that I'm still fighting for a championship. So hopefully, get a few, maybe all nine of them. Probably not, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I started with. 13 out of 15 playoff teams, and I'm down to six. So was not a great week 14, 13 for me, 14 for me. Uh, but still got some skin in the game. Uh, you guys can follow Travis at FF underscore Travis M. Please check out everything he does. Uh, he's got a, a recent article out on the top 100 rookies for 2019 that I've been looking at over the last couple of days. So please check out everything Travis does. Um, we're going to start with some news, or I guess really a couple players, honestly, that had big performances last week. I want to get you guys' thoughts on the first one last Thursday in a game that I didn't even watch because I didn't want to watch the Titans play the Jaguars. Uh, but Derrick Henry, he came out 17 for 238 and four touchdowns. In fact, he out-touched Deion Lewis 17 to 15. And last week in week 13, uh, uh, 12 touches to eight touches to Deion Lewis. So Henry seems to be coming on, Travis, there in Tennessee. I know you're a fan. Uh, talk to me about Derrick Henry. And are you a believer in, in what he's doing right now? And what are you doing with him? Uh, from a dynasty standpoint right now you know it's really it's really tough to believe in somebody after they kind of don't impress for most of the season and then they show up in in one game against the team where he's he's just always had the Jaguars number he he just shows up in a big way bursts a, a couple big runs I feel like every single time they play and it's on like a similar play too it's just like they they know it's coming and they can't stop it and I have no idea why but uh no I'm not buying if if this week 
uh, in most people's perception, uh, gave any significant spike to his value. I think he was really, his value was bottoming out prior to this week just because of his usage prior uh, to his explosion. I mean, he was on pace for less than 800 yards on the season, and it was just not looking good. He he not he had not eclipsed more than 15 carries. In fact, I think it was more than like 12 carries since like week three. So his it just looked like the Titans didn't even believe in him. So I don't know what happened. Titans have been a different team every single week, and I, I can't get a read on it. But I'm definitely not buying uh, if his price went way up today. I I personally would be selling for basically any second right now, Ooh. Dan. How do you feel about Henry right now? <laughs> yeah, I'd be selling, but I feel like that's that's selling really low. Um, I, I'd be I'd want at least a high second. I feel like to to dump Henry, and you know I've kind of I've never really been a big fan of Henry until this year, and that sounds kind of weird, especially to you probably, Travis, because you watch him every single week and you see the lack of touches and the lack of production. I think it's maybe just because I got lucky a few times. I needed that that guy in a league where I was ravaged by injuries and had to play him for a few weeks through the bye weeks. And those just happened to be the weeks that he scored and maybe out added 30 yards. So I was like, you know, he's not the worst guy to put in your to put in your lineup. So maybe I've cooled or warmed up to him just a little bit because of like a small personal gain in one league where I desperately needed him. That all said, I'm certainly not buying and, and not buying at any kind of increase because of one performance. There's a good chance, and, and Travis, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, that it feels like he was hot late last year a little bit. He, he, he got a little something rolling, and then people were excited about his opportunity for this season, which, of course, because of Deion Lewis, didn't really turn into anything. As long as he's part of a committee... It's just hard to get excited about that guy. Yeah, because it's not like he has huge receiving upside, and it's not like his touches are really a, a workhorse-type back right now. He's had three games where he had more than 12 carries, which is just mind-blowing for a guy that's that size and had like 400 carries in one season for Alabama. So looking back at his college usage versus now, it's like man, it, it doesn't feel like they've ever really given him a chance to just open up and take the reins and just go. Uh, and I think he really needs that opportunity. And I hope they give him that shot down the stretch just to prove one way or the other, look, is this guy, is this going to be the guy uh, that we can trust to be our workhorse? Or is it, he just going to be a guy that we let go after his rookie contract? And I'm, I'm kind of worried that he's going to be gone after this rookie contract unless he continues to just blow us away. And to me, and probably it sounds like you, Travis, tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like they don't want to give him that opportunity, really, even for this stretch right here. They have games to play that really matter, and they're going to want Deion Lewis on the field. At least it looks like that from this outsider. Yeah, and I think he just they're, – they're such different players. So it's its really weird. Like, looking at them, even in the practices I went to prior to the season, I was just thinking teams are going to know exactly what they're doing when one back's on the field versus the other because – you basically don't even have to account for Henry at all in the receiving game because even if he is targeted, he'll probably drop it anyway. And so it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to invest in that kind of player. So I, I'm not selling for every, you know, any second round rookie pick in Dynasty, but I, I would definitely say any first round pick, even the 1.12 <laughs> last pick in the first round, I'd probably be just fine. Man, I just don't know if you're getting a first. Man, if you're if you're getting a first for Henry, you better yeah. snap. Accept yeah. that. 
But what about what about next week, Travis? Let's say you have them for some. I mean, I didn't really see any playoff teams that started them last week. There there were a couple in the toilet bowl that bowls that were kind of starting them out of desperation and and, and got lucky with that big game. But let's say you are, are a, a playoff team and you have them sitting on your bench, haven't really started them all week. Uh, are you going to fire them up against the Giants next week? They are allowing the second most schedule adjusted fantasy points to running backs, according to our friends at four for four dot com, and uh, they've also allowed twelve top twenty four games to the running back position in 2018 which is tied for the sixth most so are you comfortable throwing him in as an rb2 or, or a, a, at least a flex for for week 15 i am and, and a lot of people are you know before the game was even over uh so okay so i found my sit of the week this week or whatever for week 15 <laughs> let's be all cheeky about it but it's just i, I don't know I, i'm fine plugging him to, into uh, a flex position just because i think if you look at his usage he's been a really steady four guy, and when he does get touchdowns in those few weeks, like you said, Dan, uh, he really is money for you. He had a couple touchdowns in a, in a game, I guess it was probably, I can't remember, five weeks ago. And then uh, the two weeks before that, he had a touchdown as well, and even a couple catches. Woo! And so uh, I think I'm okay plugging him in. I think they're not going to, after that kind of performance, they're not going to be like, well, okay, yeah, you're done now. So I think they're probably going to, uh, at least early on, trust him. So I think he's got a safer floor than a lot of people uh, are really ready to believe in. Uh, so I'm okay using him. And I actually did in the uh, Scott Fishbowl, actually, I did play him because I, I was without Kareem Hunt because of the recent fiasco. And uh, Ola Beckham Jr. was out, and so I had him. And so I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to lose this week. And then I had... Derrick Henry go for 51, Amari Cooper go for 49, and George Kittle go for 40. So (laughs) all on the same team. That's a pretty good week. So I'll take it, but I don't know how long that'll last. You know, you answered that question. You continued to say, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. The question was really, are you comfortable? And I don't know how comfortable people or confident people are. You know, a lot of guys will be forced to in that case. And, you know, he's only gotten 17 touches well actually he hasn't since week week three i think it is uh early in the season he had those 18 carry games and you know he wasn't really catching the ball like you noted travis i don't think anybody's comfortable or confident in him it's it's still a little bit of a roll in the dice of the dice but honestly if he's your best option and you're you're kind of weighing the differences between him and another player that's similar, you feel you do feel better about him just because he had that explosion rather than a guy who disappointed and maybe would have been ranked higher last Exactly. Week. I just feel like the Titans can't completely ignore him right now. Uh, that, that would just be... Right. Yeah, there's definitely scenarios where you would might have to plug him in, like you said, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon still out. You know, uh, you know, a question, at least very questionable for for Thursday night this week. So I think there's definitely scenarios where you might have to plug him in, whether you're comfortable or not. But you mentioned Amari Cooper there, Travis. Let's move on to him, who's just lighting the world on fire right now. This week, ten for t- for for thirteen. Uh, sorry, 10 catches on 13 targets for 217 yards and three touchdowns against the Eagles. Uh, last uh, Two weeks ago in week 13, he had eight for eight for 76 yards and then against the Saints. And then two, uh, three weeks ago, I guess now, uh, against Washington, had eight catches on nine targets for 180 yards for two touchdowns, averaging 10 targets a week over the last three weeks. Travis, is Amari back to being a dynasty wide receiver one? Well, uh, yeah, this week. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's always <laughs> going to be uh, the wide receiver one that Dynasty wanted him to be uh, a couple years ago. 
I think, uh, you know, somebody with his draft capital, his athletic profile, and the expectations were just so high for Amari that he just let everyone out. I mean, even if he had almost hit those numbers and not had such an up-and-down run with the Raiders, he still would have disappointed because the expectations were just out of whack. Uh, now that they kind of cratered, we're happy almost. I'm happy as a dynasty owner with him as as kind of a, a valued back-end wide receiver one to wide receiver 16 type player. And maybe he's more than that, but I don't think I'm treating him more than that in in, in terms of dynasty. And I don't know if you guys are in that in that similar area, but I'm fine with him just being a really good wide receiver too. I think the problem dynasty players had with that, like you kind of mentioned there, Travis, is first the the expectation was so much higher. And then secondly, this is the first real feeling of consistency over more than a couple of weeks in his entire career. At least it feels that way. I haven't looked back at the game logs from Oakland. Uh, Matt, you mentioned the numbers, uh, 26 catches and five touchdowns over the last three weeks. We haven't, we haven't really gotten close to that. And if we have, for some reason, we forget it because of all the bad times or whatever. I'm, I'm slowly, especially watching that Eagles game this past week, getting back on board the Amari Express and starting to feel like he was just held back so badly in Oakland that he needed peppered with targets. And that was something that everybody should agree wasn't happening, at least consistently enough. And then there was times where he'd suddenly get 12 targets and do one of those 10 for 120 in a touchdown games. And you'd be like, oh yeah, that's the guy we invested the 101 or 102 in that year and created all those expectations. I love the workload he's getting, like everybody does. It does seem, maybe people cringe at this or not feel good about it, especially those truthers of Amari, but the touchdowns have felt a little bit fluky to me. You know, we, we have multiple tap, tip passes here, goofy cornerbacks falling down when they're right next to him making the catch, and it turns into a 90-yard touchdown. I don't think this touchdown production is going to continue to repeat itself, mostly because you're not going to get those fluky scores on a regular basis. Now, he should get some non-fluky ones at some point, but most likely those are going to come from... 12 yards out or four yards out or something like that they're not going to be 75 yard touchdowns so I'm on board I love the idea that he's back on the wide receiver one radar whether that like you said Travis was the wide receiver 12 or if he does continue to progress and get to that level and become the wide receiver four down the road I'm extremely happy to have Amari on my team again and it's been a little while for me to be able to say that Dan, what would you be buying? Or, well, I guess his first question is, would you be buying him right now? Do you think he's still that, that window is still open, or, or are we pretty much closed right now? I think if I can get him for two firsts, then I'm still still buying at that price. Yeah, I'm buying at two firsts, especially if you feel like you're a good enough team. Maybe you have, maybe you have the seventh to ninth picked pretty much locked up this year, and feel like you're on the ascend. I'm definitely on board. Um, and maybe even if you have had a rough year with injuries and own the third pick next year, I might still be on board because I and Travis would be able to shine some light on this for sure. I'm not particularly enthused about our draft class a year from now. Maybe it's a few guys deep, but then it feels like it falls off a little bit. I got a lot of work to do on that, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm buying him for two ones. I don't know if a lot of there's going to be a lot of selling even at that. I own him in a couple places. And I don't think I'm making that deal with a playoff team right now. 
Travis, I'll, I'll phrase the, the frame the question to you this way. 101 in 2019, Amari or whoever you want from the 2019 class? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And for me, it's an easy answer. I, I definitely want Amari Cooper. Um, it's kind of a weird year for me with the 101 just because there's right now, a, well, a year ago, a year and two months ago, we knew that this year was going to be Saquon Barkley. And, you know, this, we don't have that, that type player this year. Running back. And wide receivers, there's tons of them. But good luck figuring out which one's actually going to be the true wide receiver one. I don't, I don't really have any interest in the one on one this year. Yeah, I, it seems like a class to trade back. But since we're since we're here, let's 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 uh, drill down on this a little bit farther because you're one of one of my resources for sure when I go and start looking at Debbie stuff and and the the, the upcoming rookie classes. So why don't you just give us uh, maybe your general thoughts on this 2019 class? We started out, you know, maybe last offseason talking about how the wide receiver class was going to be akin to the 2017 running back class, uh, and it was just loaded with with guys. And we know that that you know players go back to school. Uh, or, or they just have bad seasons leading up to their draft. So um, is that the case? Are you a little bit down on this class in comparison at least to the, to the 2017 and 2018 class? And are you looking more towards that 2020 class? I think, uh, you know, we've been a little bit jaded by recent wide receiver classes. So I'm a little hesitant. That, that's what I am. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really <laughs> down on it. I, I really like a lot of the wide receivers. But figuring out which one that is going to be the, the lead guy, uh, figuring out which one's to really believe in it's really it's just a lot of information to sift through if you really dig into this class it's going to be one of those classes where i think it was two two or three years ago they had 58 wide receivers show up to the nfl combine and there was just way too much noise there's too many names too much going on and nobody ever really figured out who was good and some so many of those guys went undrafted i feel like there's going to be a lot of good wide receivers just fall through the cracks this year because it's just so stinking good there's like I mean, I was getting into like out near my top 50 of my top 100 and thinking, man, these guys, I could almost put them into the second round. Like they're that close because all these wide receivers just kind of blend together once you get past the top five or seven. Um, so it's, I love the wide receivers. I don't like the running backs at all. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there were only maybe 14, 15 running backs drafted in this class. Um, I mean, it's, it's not not good <laughs> and so uh, it's like there's just i mean even the, the guy that i wanted to get excited about has injury problems in rodney rodney anderson for oklahoma so i, I just I, I can't get all the way there with the ex- excitement but i really like the tight ends i'm a i'm a love tight end in that position anyway and the, if all of them go that i like there could be eight tight ends that i would end up giving a, a day two grade or better which is weird you know you're talking a lot about travis the who's draftable and where they're going to land in the draft. I think dynasty owners want to know how that's going to translate. I I go through these players myself and it feels like the entire first round is going to be dominated by the wide receiver Mm -hmm. position to me with maybe the exception of Fant, a couple running backs are going to obviously slide in there because of needs. and, And because somebody, it seems like destiny that somebody will separate themselves at least a little bit. Uh, maybe, and maybe it's where they're landing that creates that for us. It feels to me like we're going to see a really large number, maybe as many as like eight wide receivers taken in the first round of dynasty drafts. And I don't know if that's good or bad for our game hmm. or, or the owners that have those high picks, but it, do, I don't, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence no. that you can help turn your team around quickly like we have in the past. No, because I mean, running backs, they just, there's, there's less in the way of them seeing production. Like if they're drafted high, 
uh, they're probably going to be the number one guy on their, their depth chart, at least compete for that opportunity pretty early. But there's a lot of targets to go around and a lot of mouths to feed at the wide receiver position. So it's just a little bit more difficult for uh, wide receivers to come in and have 1,500 yards and 12 scores. Uh, so and, and really make that impact, that difference-making impact, you know, re- you know, value over replacement type impact on our fantasy team. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I would rather have like three picks in the, you know, five through 12 range than the 101 this year. Uh, easy. You know, maybe that's every year for you guys. But a lot of times there's just that no-brainer pick and, and everything later is forgotten. I just, I don't know. It's just one of those I don't know classes. And it is going to be probably eight wide receivers in the first round. So not scary given uh, the hit rate of recent wide receivers. With that all said, though, there's some good ones in there between Harmon and Metcalf and Brown, you know, Harry, a lot of things to be excited about, but maybe not that instant impact we're used to yeah, at the top. Yeah, exactly my thoughts. So, so looking at your article, the top 100 rookies for 2019, which can be found on DLF, I won't do too much spoiler here because you guys should go and read the article. Um, but you have uh, in Tier 1 the Elite 8. So you've got A.J. Brown and Keel Harry, Kelvin Harmon, DeKale and Metcalf, Brian Edwards, David Montgomery, Rodney Anderson, and Noah Fant. So that's that, that seems like a solid 8 for for uh uh, first round rookie drafts in 2019 at after that point so let's say we get to 109 is that where you might start thinking about looking towards the 2020 class if you wanted to move a pick or are you staying put uh, even at that 109 to 112 range uh yeah i've talked about the the 2020 class and really liking those running backs a whole lot more uh on the dynasty life podcast uh, with uh, justin and andrew some already and I really, uh, if I have a late first, I don't even want that. I would much rather have a an any 2020 first compared to this class. Um, and it's not because I hate the wide receivers or anything. It's just I, I already know that there's like a half dozen running backs that I want in the 2020 class, probably more so than most of the wide receivers that are going to be available past the 1.04 or 5 this year. So I'm just, I'm just way more excited about that class in general. So I'm completely fine moving off the 8. Eight, even seven, six spot this year. I mean, because a few of those guys aren't going to have great landing spots. There's really going to be more of like a top five probably. So, I, I, yeah, I'm fine moving off of late firsts everywhere. All right. Uh, let's move on to the, the meat of our our episode of this this this, this week on the GLF Dynasty podcast. Uh, I want to take a look at the rookies from 2018 because we still got – you know, a few games left to, to watch these guys while they're still rookies. And the way this exercise is going to go is we're going we're gonna to pretend that we're on the clock in a, in a startup draft. And I'm going to give you a grouping of players that are on the board, including rookies that are found in the top 100 of December's DLF ADP. Um, so for each player group I give you guys, I want to know which of the players you would pick if you were on the clock and why, or, you know, which, and also uh, in addition to that, uh, which player would you avoid if you were on the clock and why you don't have to go too in depth, you know, just a, a, a few feelings here and there. So we'll start with the first group and we'll start with you, Dan, uh, in, in December's ADP, Saquon Barkley has risen to 1.01. Uh, Todd Gurley right behind him at two, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara and OBJ. Are you taking Barkley here at, if you have the 101 in a startup draft? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm still lean ever so slightly to Gurley, and it, it's the production, obviously. He's not – it's not like we're talking about a guy that's that's 28 years old. He's still only 24. The offense he plays in is extremely exciting. I know uh, Saquon has big 
weapons surrounding him as well. So does Gurley. Um, like the quarterback situation a heck of a lot more with Gurley, and it's a guy that likes to check the ball down to him. You know, a guy that scored 19 touchdowns a year ago has already matched that this year despite a couple of down games in the last few weeks and, and nearly has the yardage total, totals as well. I love that production and that consistency over the last couple of years along with those games that are you know, weak winning games for fantasy owners. That's what I really shoot for. And I, I know Saquon has delivered those as well. Gurley's done it long enough that I just feel a tick better about his next few years than I do any other player, really. Yeah, I would actually uh, say Saquon Barkley uh, for me. I think I really like both players. I think they both belong in the one-two spots. Um, not much room for debate there for me. I mean, there's definitely a tear break. Yeah, we're splitting hairs, yeah, really, Travis. Exactly. Right? I, I think I think so, too. I mean, if you look at you know PPR points for the year, Saquon Barkley's never had less than 14 in a game, uh, and I love to see that level of consistency. And, you know, as far as studs go, you want to have those game, you know, just matchup winning performances. And he's done that. You have to to be in that running back one, two discussion. But he's also got the safest floor, even safer than Todd Gurley, who's had a couple games below that threshold of 14 points. And and I know it's arbitrary just to kind of pick that that threshold. But I'm just saying a guy who's a few years young, younger and in his first year in the league is already basically being the most productive player in the league immediately with uh, kind of a, a not ideal situation around him already. Uh, if they ever figure out their quarterback position post Eli, that's going to be really, really entertaining. So I, I think I, I believe in Saquon and I think he belongs at the 1.01 with, you know, Gurley being the one B. Yeah, I'm I, I I'm on the side with Travis here. I think it's really close. Like, I mean, all of, all of the guys in this group are amazing, obviously, but to pick up three years on age, uh, and to be able to see what he's done with, you know, not not great quarterback play and a great team around him. That said, I do think there's a chance that the Giants as a team get a lot worse before they get better, uh, you know, depending on what happens with the rookie. They're not, not super attractive quarterbacks in the upcoming class. We have no idea what Kyle Laletta is capable of at this point. I, I don't understand why we haven't seen him yet, honestly. Seems like they would want to figure out what they have in him before moving into the offseason and the draft. But uh, let's move on to the next group here, guys. Uh, Travis, we'll go back to you first. Mike Evans at 15, Joe Mixon 16, Nick Chubb at 17. There's our rookie, James Conner at 18, and Adam Thielen at 19. Which player here are you going to take if you were on the clock? Yeah, I think in, in this range, I really like a lot of the wide receivers and the running backs in this range. I, I love uh, the second round. Um, I, I don't think that I could pick – like my heart wants to, to pick uh, – the wide receiver, just because I think that they have longer shelf lives and everything like that. But I think Nick Chubb, what he's done, especially here recently, he's in a great situation with the best rookie quarterback in this draft class and an offense that needs him to succeed to to find wins and to do well. Uh, and really his past four performances, I mean, he's just absolutely exploded onto the scene. I think I'd prefer him. Uh, that said, Mike Evans is kind of my 1B in this tier. Any anyone there that you're avoiding? Uh, I wouldn't say. I mean, in this, in this, in this tier, it's hard to say I'm avoiding anyone. But I think, um, I think Adam Thielen, just because uh, he his season was incredible, and I don't want to downplay that. But because of dynasty, just how ageist 
we really all are. I think quickly people are going to realize, oh, yeah, he's going to be 29 next year. And like for no reason <laughs> whatsoever, players like A.J. Green had been dropping for like three years when he was like 27 or 28. People were like, oh, yeah, the, the clock's ticking. And and people are going to think about that for a second in the offseason. And his he's going to start dropping because the, the recency bias of him being the wide receiver one for most of the season is going to be gone. And for me, I pretty much agree with most of what Travis said there, except I'm I'm not lured towards those wide receivers, including Evans. I think he'd be one of the lower ones, and I'd probably take these three running backs ahead of the, the two wide receivers. I agree with him on Thielen. It's kind of unfair, but he when you think about giving up the 19th pick, that doesn't seem right when, when the, these other guys are available at the same time. I really badly, and if I was choosing strictly on talent and had nothing to do with coaching or situation, I'd pick Joe Mixon. I, th- I think he's truly elite, could be with those four running backs that we talked about before, but I have no faith in that Cincinnati front office or coaching staff to get anything right, and Mixon's stuck there for at least a few more years. So I have to go off him and agree with Travis that Chubb is the guy, guy and for all those reasons he mentioned the young quarterback, everything else around him, a developing offensive line that looks like it's going to be a strength in the future. And like Travis said, they're going to need him, not just right now, but for a while. And dynasty owners are going to love that. So I'll take Chubb and like Travis, I I would call Thielen the guy I'm not excited about giving up that pick for. And Joe Mixon, I mean, if if Marvin Lewis goes, we could see Hugh Jackson again as a head coach. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, that, That that would be gross. Uh, I think I agree with you guys. I'd probably take Chubb, uh, Chubb or Evans here. Uh, and Connor, I know we didn't talk much about him, but I just I, I love what he's done on the field. Don't get me wrong, but there's something in my gut that says that he's not going to be as productive next season. Whether it is a bring in a guy and free agency or, or draft someone or whatever it is, I just don't think they're gonna. He, I just don't think that he's going to be the only game in town next year. So uh, I would avoid either him or Thielen at that point. Let's move on. Dan, you're first here uh, in this group. At the 30th pick, we have our first quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, 31, Amari Cooper, 32, Sony Michelle, 33, Aaron Jones, 34, Corey Davis. Who are you taking and who are you avoiding out of this group? Well, it sounds goofy, but I'm going to avoid Mahomes in this group. You know, it's the age-old thing of you can find quarterbacks that are productive and you know, Travis, you mentioned earlier that that we're all kind of ageists and we're all we all look at that number with wide eyes to make sure. I like the veteran quarterbacks, and I think a lot of us do, even if we'd call ourselves, you know, one of those ageists or whatever you might want to call it. Uh, and I I see guys like Philip Rivers posting his numbers, and I know he's you know quotation marks old, but. You know, the draft picks that you're giving, a, giving up for those guys and the time you get to find the next Patrick Mahomes all makes me point to that. Other than that, as far as the guy I want out of this tier, there's a couple of them for sure. Sony Michelle and Amari Cooper are both really it, intriguing. I'm not going towards Aaron Jones or Corey Davis as much as I like those guys. I'm, I lean towards the receiver here, and a lot of it has to do with the last three weeks. But like I said earlier, I believe in Cooper and this newfound landing spot and they're forcing those targets. I think he'll continue to be that big time receiver. So I'll take Cooper and, and, you know, it's close with Michelle, but his is the name that really sticks out to me. Yeah, I I definitely agree that Amari Cooper is the easy pick for me right here. 
And I think we look past how effective, I mean, I don't mean to, you know, beat a dead horse here with Amari, but I mean, he's only had, I think, 85 targets. And if you look at everyone ahead of him at wide receivers, they're all like 100 plus targets already. He's been really efficient. Uh, and it really has only been in a good situation half a season. I just can't wait to see a full season of that. So in the 30s for Amari Cooper, easy, easy decision for me. Uh, the guy I would be fading in this tier, uh, I mean, I just don't structure my teams that way with, with uh, Mahomes, but I don't want to copycat you there. I, I don't think I'm, I'm a believer in Sonny Michel uh, long-term. Actually, I don't like him being in this range. Um, I think it was kind of uh, offensive for anyone to even have Sonny Michel uh, in the same tier as Nick Chubb. Uh, in the pre-draft process, and even after he landed on the Patriots and had the better draft capital for no reason whatsoever, um, I just I just never got that. Uh, so I, I I've been fading him since day one. He's had good opportunity and had some good touches. Whatever his snap counts continue continue uh, continuing to rise, but I just don't think he's long for the NFL. And uh, we're gonna find out in like two years from now. Oh wow, he's already old. So um, I'm not super interested and Sony Michelle. Yeah, I agree. He just doesn't I mean, I don't know what necessarily I expect from a first round running back, but he just doesn't look like a first round running back. Uh, an NFL draft first round running back uh to me on the field right now. So, I I echo, echo your sentiments. Cooper is the easy pick here. However, <laughs> Mahomes, I know it's the middle of the third round and we're not supposed to take quarterbacks that early, but man, that oh, I knew so you good. were going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking him there. It's definitely Cooper, but man, I would think about Mahomes. Let me uh tangent here in a superflex format. Is Mahomes challenging for the 101 for you guys there? Definitely a first half of the first round pick in a superflex league, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd probably put uh, maybe maybe a half dozen players in that same tier as him. But, uh, I mean, his points over replacement versus, like, even a back-end quarterback one is, like, almost 10 points. So, I mean, it's it's yeah. nuts. And, I, I mean, we can't assume he's just going to constantly do that for his entire career. But because we're dynasty players, what if, you know? So. Well, well, and, I mean, what's going to re- – I mean, I, I guess things always can change about a situation, but the way that team is structured right now with all of those young stars on uh, on low-cost contracts, it just seems like he's set up to, to be this mm-hmm. productive for, for yeah. at least a few years. Agreed. Dan, yes. how about you in a super flex? Yes. I, I've taken him at one Whew, Man. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, great. I, I like it. Short and sweet. Let's into the point. Let's go on to the next group. Travis, we'll start with you again. At 35 overall, we have Zach Ertz, 36, A.J. Green, 37, Carrion Johnson, 38, T.Y. Helton, and 39, Robert Woods. Who are you taking? Who are you avoiding? Man, I like all these players. That's tough. It's really tough because it's like I know, I know I'm a carry-on super guy. carry-on guy. As far as the rookie goes, I mean, I have him like all over the place, and I'm so happy about it. I mean, his his he's been hurt a little bit, but his points per game, I think he's running back 16. Uh, and it's not been an ideal situation this year either. So I think he's got room to grow and could have a running back one finish next year. And if he does that in the second year, he's going to see a spike above this. So I think out of players that have the most room to grow from this average draft position, I think he could be that player that with a few more bigger games, he could have that that push into the second round like a Nick Chubb uh, when people realize, you know, oh, yeah, he was a second round pick and he's in a uh, situation where Blunt's going to be gone. So I think... Carry on Johnson. I don't structure my teams in a way that I generally take a tight end this early. So 
I I love Ertz and what he's doing, but I, I don't think I can do that. But I really like Robert Woods. He's the wide receiver, I think, 13 right now through 14 weeks, and nobody seems to even realize that. <laughs> but uh, I I still think I'd just barely give it to Kieran Johnson because I'm an Auburn fan and a homer, whatever. <laughs> the truth comes <laughs> out at the end. I'm actually going to agree with what – Travis really said there is it's carry on Johnson with Robert Woods as a, as a close second for all the reasons that Travis said there. I want that youth Ertz is appealing for sure. He's already 28 though. And I don't want to, you know, put the age before anything else, you know, really he's, he's going to break the record for tight end scoring this year and not even be the highest or for tight end catches and not even be the highest scoring tight end in PPR league. So while he's great, I think I can find another tight end down the road a little bit like Travis. I, I don't build my teams that way. I like Zach Ertz a lot, but I like him a lot better at the price I got him for a couple of years ago. That all said, Woods is great. I've been a huge fan of his for so long and have so many free copies of him when people were giving up on him when he was in Buffalo. Uh, but on Johnson is the place to be here. That production that he was, he was coming up with early in the season, imagine when he has a goal line and pass catching full role yeah. to himself. Just one of those roles he's going to suddenly be a high second round startup pick and double his ADP in, in the blink of an eye. So I'll take carry on. I'll take the running back and the youth here. Those aging receivers, AJ green and T Y Hilton are nice pieces, but those are the guys I'm avoiding right now. Uh, and I'm not paying a, a low end third round price for either of them. Actually, man, AJ green has fallen <laughs> at the end of the third round. Now that just seems like a ridiculous price for him, but I guess I agree with you guys. I don't think I'm avoiding him. I think Ertz is the guy I'm avoiding for all the reasons you guys stated. And if I'm taking a tight end early, it's still going to be Kelsey, I think. Um, but uh, I guess I'll go with carry on here. I really like all of these players, like you guys said, though. Um, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that and move on. Uh, the next group actually starts with Robert Woods because we have three rookies in this group. So, again, Robert Woods at 39 overall, followed by Darius Geis, DJ Moore, Philip Lindsay, and Cooper Cup at 43. Dan, what do you got for this group? This is the toughest one for me. I like all of them. There's not a guy I'm avoiding in the group, so I won't answer your question when it comes to that. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I like Woods for everything I, I just said. But when you compare him to these rookies in Cup, he's probably, he's actually, even though he's the highest guy on this list, he, he's actually the last guy on the list for me. So I'll, uh, and I'm not avoiding him whatsoever. So I, I, I had a hard time choosing, and it's not between, because of Geis and Cup, it's actually DJ Moore and Philip Lindsay that, that make it difficult for me. Those are the top two guys. It really depends on your roster construction and how you like to build teams which way you're going to go. I'm a true believer that Philip Lindsay is a long-term back-end running back one, high-end running back two. Age, speed, burst, all the things you like about a young running back are all in place there. And he's already regularly outplaying the other backs on that team. I don't think Denver's going to add anybody else because he's an undrafted guy and doesn't have the draft pedigree or anything like that all that said i'm taking the guy with the pedigree that has done it at least on a small sample size in carolina and that's dj moore i really like that guy a lot i think he's uh a mid wide receiver one upside but is a it's like gonna be a really really solid high-end wide receiver two at some point with a bigger upside than that so i'll take more and feel really good about it but philip Lindsay 
is a guy I think I'm higher on than most. I'm I'm a really big believer in that guy. Nice. I, I love that you are uh, into Philip Lindsay. I am too. That's not who I would pick in this tier, but I'm just so happy to see stories like that. He, you know, he's he's a Colorado guy. You know, he, I mean, somehow completely gets ignored throughout the pre-draft process, mainly myself yeah. included. I'm guilty. yeah, and I. W- but yeah, I am too. I am too. <laughs> I, I was not high pre-draft. I think I had him in the 60s or something in my, my top 100. So he was like on the fringe of draftable in 14 team leagues, you know, that kind of situation. And so like, that's not, you can't, nobody was really on uh, Philip Lindsay. I, I got some free shares uh, and added on to my practice squads and things. So I think I actually have five shares of Philip Lindsay in Dynasty, which is just incredibly lucky to be honest. <laughs> but uh, let's just call it, it is what it is. But I uh, I really have to stick with the the draft capital and, and DJ Moore and him having an incredible upside as a, as a wide receiver one for fantasy maybe one day. I mean, past four weeks in a row he's had at least eight targets in every single game, which would put him on pace, you know, for a 16 game season. That's over 130 targets if they use him like that next year. He's had at least four catches five weeks in a row. They want to really get him involved because he's clearly the best non Christian McCaffrey playmaker on the team. Uh, and so I think he could develop in a way that, that uh, if you combine him with McCaffrey and use them as the chess pieces, that's going to be a lot of fun for several years. So uh, he's, he's the player that has the most potential to uh, exceed this, this draft position as well for me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way with, on this one with you guys. I think we might have a fight here. Uh, DJ Moore, I wouldn't say I'm avoiding anyone in this tier, but if I was, I think it would be DJ Moore, and, I, and my, wow. my pick is going to be Darius Geis. Uh, just because I, I think he's going to be incredible in that offense. We know, we, we've already seen what Adrian Peterson can do, and I think guys can do what he's done at this point in, in AP's career and, and a lot more than that. For DJ Moore, the, my concerns are is that they just have, they have so many pieces there that feel like they're interchangeable. He feels like, it feels like DJ Moore, Jarius Wright, say what you will about him, but he maybe he's not there that long. I'm not sure what his contract situation is. But Curtis Samuel's going to be around, and they just, they just seem so interchangeable. And then you have McCaffrey, who does... Uh, a lot of the same things uh, uh, that those two guys do. Now, if they start using more DJ Moore more down the field, then I think we have a different conversation. And I think he's certainly already better than than Dev, Devin yeah. Funches. Uh, I think we can all, all agree on that. Um, but I just have concerns that he's not ever going to be that true like alpha receiver there, uh, and that Cam Newton is not not really the guy that is going to be able to unlock his potential. I guess so. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm avoiding him overall, but out of the, this group, I think I, he would be he wouldn't be number five here for me out of these five players so um move on to the next group uh we've got two more rookies and it start actually starts with the end of the last group cooper cup so again cooper cup at 43 dan your boy calvin ridley Cortland sudden at 45 george kittle at 46 jarvis landry at 47 travis we'll start with you yeah in this area i'm not necessarily uh avoiding anybody too hard i think i would if i had to avoid anyone this class in this class and this tier uh, it would be, I get so used to talking about draft stuff. Uh, it would probably be Cooper Cup. I like everybody in this tier a lot. George, George Kittle is probably going to continue to rise because of his insane numbers this year. I mean, 1,100 plus receiving yards, guys. 1,100 plus receiving yards for a tight end. So he's he's not done ascending. Calvin Ridley and Cortland Sutton are going to continue to ascend because of the, the second season hype and their situation is only going to get better in, in the near future. Landry and Baker Mayfield can connect. I'm a believer in that. So 
If I had to pick anyone in this range, this is when I start looking for a tight end if I know he's uh, an elite option. So I think I'd go with Kittle uh, at this point because he's one of the last ones available that in that top elite tier, uh, and he's super young. So he could be the tight end one, like consensus, easy in, in a couple years from now. Completely agree. I love Kittle. Uh, the sky's the limit for that guy. And I'm actually surprised it's 46 right now. It really should be higher. We've talked about some guys that, you know, on the right team, if somebody offered you Kittle for A.J. Green, a lot of dynasty owners are taking that. If Even like Aaron Jones, there's a lot of names we've already talked about that it feels like on the right team, you would pull the trigger and trade a guy with that higher ADP for yeah. Kittle. So I agree on that. He's not my number one guy, and you all know who it is. Uh, I won't even mention his name, Matt. That's my guy. I'm, I could say the same thing about him. I really feel like he should be higher than 44 already. We we got to talk about Ridley for a second here, Dan. What's going on with him recently? He, he two horrible drops in the same drive last week against the Packers. Uh, just hasn't. It, it just seems like those days where we're scoring two touchdowns in a week were are, are so far away right now. He's still getting out snapped by Mohamed Sanu. Uh, what what's happening there? Well, you know, over the last few years, it seems like Atlanta's been that way a little bit with their with their rookies. They don't jump head first in. And I actually was really happy with the usage early in the season, and the production came early in the season. So I thought it was going to go up. Maybe there's something we don't know about that, or maybe they're just truly in love with Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> so you know, Sanu is a good player, but I am I'd be shocked if there's anybody in Atlanta that thinks even right now. Sanu is a way better option than Calvin Ridley. I I feel like it has to have something to do with that, the young player. I don't trust him to get on the field full time. And the drops are hideous. That Those two against mm-hmm. the Packers weren't so even bad. his worst either, either. He had a horrible drop that turned into a pick six a couple weeks ago as well. So I've always acknowledged that there is a, like maybe a focus issue at times or you know, it, it kind of seemed like over the last couple of weeks he felt the footsteps and doesn't like getting blown up. Maybe it is, and those are red flags for sure. All that said, he—he's Marvin Harrison. I really feel he's Marvin Harrison, and we have hundred catch seasons on the brink with Kelvin Ridley. I'm buying, buying, buying because he's—he's a wide receiver one through and through to me. He is—he's uh, my avoid in this group, Dan. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't again. I, in general, I would not say I'm avoiding Calvin Ridley, but compared to the other players in this tier, I just think he's 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 pretty. I don't even know if he's in the, just the next tier down. He might be be a couple of tiers down for me uh, when we're talking about these five players. I think the one I'm going with, like you guys said, Kittle is very attractive here. But I I, I typically, if I'm going to take a tight end this early, it's Kelsey earlier, or or I'm going to wait. So. Uh, Cup or, or or Landry would probably be my pick here, and I probably I probably go with Cup because you know uh, I got to stay on brand here. <laughs> you're you're ridiculous, man. You're ridiculous. Uh, I know. You're saying ridiculous <laughs> things. I Look don't at know the offense. Just... Trust you. you just said if you have the 45th pick in the draft, you're taking Ridley or you're taking Sutton over Ridley. I'm, ta- I'm Ridley, definitely taking Sutton it. over Ridley, and you're taking Landry over Ridley for sure. No I'm doubt about it. In Landry. fact, you'd let two rounds go by before you'd take Ridley. That's ridiculous. I don't know man. about. I don't know about two rounds, but I'm definitely taking Sutton ahead of him, and I'm definitely taking Landry ahead of him. So uh, there we are. (laughs) Those that listening don't know it, but I rolled my eyes hard right there. Dan, there's got to be a league somewhere we're in where I have Ridley and you have Landry, so let's just make that deal. I will make it right now. Send me the (laughs) offer. So with our next group here, we have Tariq Cohen at 52, Tyler Lockett at 53, 
Uh, Rashard Penny, there's our rookie at 54. Chris Godwin at 55. Josh Gordon at 56. Who are you taking? Who are you avoiding, Dan? I, I think there's this is a lower end tier to me. I start feeling like, yeah, this belongs in the 50s, maybe even into the 60s. To me, the rookie isn't especially appealing to me. Uh, I think, Matt, you and I definitely agreed on on this one, this rookie anyway, uh, unlike Ridley. Penny didn't impress me coming out as much as it did for as he did for many other players. So so he's actually one of the avoids here. Uh, if, the, if I had to pick a guy that I really would want to buy in this tier, it's Tariq Cohen. For me, I like the electricity. I think there's room for his role to continue to grow. He really should be more than just the running back. It's weird to say in that Bears offense because they're so creative and things like that. He still gets a few inside carries and and regular work from the running back position. I think they could expand that role even more, and maybe they would if Miller wasn't already on board there and they didn't have the receivers that they have. Cohen's uh, one of them weapons that we see around the league. I think he could could get way more work than he does, and perhaps they're worried about injury because he's so slight in body type uh but cohen of this group for sure is the guy i want yeah i i can't disagree i mean i i think out of this crew this is this is the part of the draft where it just i'm not excited about really trusting in any of these guys i i, I want to like josh gordon i want to think that he's going to be uh you know viable to start and and be the stud that we wanted to 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 be uh, I want to believe in him, but I really, really can't deny what Tariq Cohen's done. Uh, I think he's obviously the better play than J- Jordan Howard. I think I tweeted out something about, like, have you ever watch, you know, Tariq Cohen do basically anything and wonder whether, you know, it makes sense to give Jordan Howard the ball ever? Like, it just it doesn't make any sense for him to ever touch the right. ball, and yet he still gets some touches. And Cohen's just such an explosive playmaker that in PPR leagues is just absolute money. So, uh, I, I like him, and uh, even in standard, it's not the end of the world, and I think his role as a more conventional runner could increase also. So I'm I'm ecstatic about uh, Cohen's poten- potential, and really he's a back-end running back one this year in PPR, so can't argue with that. And we're getting him in the fifth round yeah. here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not in any of the DLF mocks, or we're in any of the DLF mocks for December, but I was following along. And it seems it feels weird that we're already starting to feel a little bit gross about the players here in the in the the sixth round, right? I mean, that just it feels so early. Like as far as as much offensive explosion we've had this year in the NFL, it just feels like we should have more players that we feel good about. We're already we're just in the fifties, yeah. and we already have players that we don't really feel <laughs> feel great about here. Um, but for this group, I agree. Penny is the avoid for me. Cohen. Uh, I think I'm probably going Godwin, but I certainly can't uh, fault anybody for taking Cohen here. I just I like guys that are going to get volume. I'm still not convinced that 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 he's going to get volume consistently every week at that point. And not that God, Godwin is either. And I know he had he had a ton of volume this past week, but didn't do anything with it. But uh, I, I still think that he's going to develop. So I'll, I'll I'll take Godwin out of this group. We're going to do one more this week, you guys. Uh, this will be the last last group we're we're going to get to here. And it does start with the last two players of the previous tier. So Godwin at 55 and, and Gordon at 56 and then we get our rookie Christian Kirk uh, and then followed by David and Joku at 58 and Andrew Luck at 59 Travis we'll start with you you know I, I still just you were talking about earlier how you just don't really build teams around uh, quarterbacks uh, early and I this is when I start thinking about it if it's you know a player that's absolutely the best option 
but I think if I've waited this long and I haven't gotten somebody like Emma Holmes or somebody that uh, I believe is in that level of elite tier above everybody else, the kind of the way we viewed Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago, uh, I think I can't go with Andrew Luck. I want to, but not. I just can't can't make myself do it. I think Christian Kirk, uh, he's already been the lead wide receiver for the Cardinals, and it's been a rough year for their offense. Uh, but I think when Larry Fitzgerald is gone, he's going to be the core of their offense outside of David Johnson, and uh, he's going to be a PPR monster. And you're going to wish you bought him in this range because he's probably going to vault up into th- the 30s real quick. And kind of kind of a way we, we valued uh, Randall Cobb there for a few years uh, and kind of be 20 spots ahead of this pretty soon. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more, really, with one exception. There, there are guys a little lower. If we would have kept, continued this exercise, we'd see like 10 picks lower or 8 picks lower as Deshaun Watson. I'm, he's more appealing to me than Andrew Luck, and, and he's the guy that in this range I would I would have a hard time choosing that young quarterback with the elite upside that we've seen against Christian Kirk. But with these five names, uh, we already talked about Godwin and Gordon, but Christian Kirk is the one that sticks out to me along with Travis. The, the Andrew Luck isn't quite as appealing, but like I said, if Deshaun Watson was in that 59 spot, a couple behind Kirk, and I hadn't got the quarterback. Like he said, this is the point where I start thinking about it for sure. And he's a guy I have a hard time ignoring. Yeah. Between the five of them, though, it's Kirk for me as well. Yeah, Kirk is seems like the easy pick here. I, I, I agree with Travis. I think he's going to end up being a third, fourth round startup pick by the by this time next season, especially if Fitzgerald decides to finally hang it up. And Joku is kind of attractive here. You know, you're not getting one of those elite guys, but you're kind of getting one of those next guys who could be elite and a good offense, good young quarterback, good pieces around him. Um, but I do think Kirk is the pick here, and I'll say Gordon is the avoid. I don't think I would necessarily avoid Luck here, maybe in a one-quarterback league, I guess, if if I'm just not building that way. But I think Gordon, uh, the fact that we haven't seen him really explode yet has kind of opened people's eyes. I, you know, Going into it, we were, people were saying, oh, it's the next Randy Moss in, in New England, just like 2007 Patriots, and that clearly has not really transpired. So we'll take Kirk here, and we'll avoid Josh Gordon. And that's going to do it for another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Travis, May, thank you so much for coming on. Tell everybody where they can find you one more time. Well, uh, you can find me on the Dynasty Life Pod every single week with uh, Justin McCasland and Andrew Frechette and whoever we decide to let join us. Maybe it'll be one of these guys here soon. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there. And then you can also check out my work with uh, Dynasty League Football. A lot of written stuff there. And just joined uh, the Dynasty Command Center as well. So definitely check them out. Good team there that they've been putting in place. And, Tons of fun stuff coming up next spring. But I appreciate you guys having me on and just talking some rookies this year and some rookies next year. That's basically my favorite thing to talk about in this hobby. So. (laughs) <laughs> that's and that's why we had you on for that very reason please if you uh, are, are are behind on the 2019 rookie class check out everything that travis does uh, i certainly do uh, i know dan does as well for dan for travis i'm matt we will talk to you next week on the dlf dynasty podcast